Welcome to Channel Waves, the podcast where channel leaders share success strategies, best practices, and emerging trends. Brought to you by Structured Web. Here's your host, Stephen Kellum. Welcome everyone to Channel Waves podcast, Structured Web View and Everything Channel. I'm your host, Stephen Kellum. So very excited today to be joined by Chris Samilla, who is the co-founder and CPO, Chief Partnership Officer at Partnership Leaders. So welcome, Chris. Real pleasure to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, been a longtime fan of the show, so it's fun to actually get on the show. Well, it's pretty cool. I think I said partnerships three times. Um, and, and I want to actually start it with definitions. Well, actually, the second thing I want to go into is definitions because partnerships, alliances, and ecosystems get bantered around a lot. But before we even do that, I know all about partnership leaderships because I've been at Catalyst and I've been talking to you for a while. I knew you at Crossbeam. But for anybody out there who hasn't heard of partnership leaders or is just kind of figure out what it is, maybe you could talk a little bit about what it is and kind of where it came from and what the whole mission is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, four years ago, uh, I had the good opportunity to join a company as a VP of partnerships. It was the first time I was at that level in my career. And there was aspects of doing partnerships that I was pretty familiar with. There's a bunch of other things that I definitely knew I was uh, had some gaps. And so we created an email thread with about 17 people on it. And then within a week, we realized like email is probably not the best format for this. And so we created a Slack community. Um, and that was the beginning of partnership leaders. It was really a bunch of operators that were working in SaaS companies uh, specifically doing partnerships. Um, and we organically kind of grew this, this digital community for about a year and a half. And then COVID hit and it was like, okay, well, everyone can't travel anymore. And so we had an enormous boost in members. Um, and we realized within a few months that we needed some more structure to really scale this to, to create the biggest impact. And so we actually created an organization, a business to run partnership leaders. Um, and then we, again, sort of were on the journey. I had a full-time day job uh, in partnerships. I eventually joined Crossbeam to lead partnerships for them. Um, and I had two co-founders, Ty Radigan and Asher Matthew. Um, one ties over a deal. I'm over at, at uh, or Asher's over at Demandbase. Um, and the goal is to really help these partnership professionals really accelerate in their careers. I mean, that's like, if you think about the the challenges of evolving from traditional channels into this like partnerships and ecosystems and all the other, other areas of focus, there's components to this that are very much still in flight. And so peer-to-peer -peer learning is, is really, really critical. And so partnership leaders we're really just trying to get members connected together so they can share and learn from each other. And then we we add on these other ancillary offerings to really just drive professional growth, but ultimately like help our industry just, just get better over time. I knew you from Crossbeam, right? And I had heard rumblings about partnership uh, leaders. And then someone reached out to me last year and said, hey, you should come down to Catalyst. I was like, well, what's a Catalyst? And they go, well, it's this event of all these partnership leaders I said, where is it? They said, it's in Miami. I said, when is it? It's in July. I was like, wait a second. We're going to July in Miami. I was like, okay, all right. I'll take a look at this. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a fly. And I got to tell you, I went down there and uh, you read my blog and, and anybody who's listening would like to, to to see that blog, go to Structure Web and just check it out. I, I was very impressed. I walked away a fan of not only Catalyst, but where you guys are going. I appreciate that. I mean, it, it, it credits all the members. I and mean, that's the thing is like we did Catalyst because we had built such a strong muscle around sort of the digital experience of how do we get people connected. And it was just a natural evolution to be like, all right, like we all, we're partner people. We like being in person and, and, and meeting other folks and learning from each other. And so uh, we, we were hoping to get 200 people down there uh, and we ended up at like 450. 
Um, and so we're, we're doing it again this year, obviously, uh, in Denver, we're moving it from, uh, Miami's wonderful. It's just, as you're right. It, hey, let me it, it was a great time. We had a really, we had a really good time. Now there are people there in board shorts and flip-flops as well as three-piece suits. So people were dealing with the weather. I thought just very, very nicely. Yeah, it was, uh, that was a really cool experience. And so like, I think, um, on the backside of Catalyst, uh, while I absolutely adored working for Crossbeam and, and being involved with the product and helping build their partner program, um, it was pretty apparent that to really, really get partnership leaders to where we think it could be, uh, I needed to go full time on working on the business. And so uh, we were fortunate to have built it up enough to where I could shift over and spend all of my time now actually building partnership leaders. Um, and it's, it's amazing because we're sitting at this intersection of a, a lot of different changes in the industry from a tooling perspective, from a process perspective. Um, there's a lot of new people entering the industry as well as a lot of folks that have been doing this for a long time that are trying to figure out just new aspects of, of like, whether it's marketplaces or integrations, um, there's a broader range of things. I think a lot of partner professionals are being asked to do. Well, look, I would go back and say it, it's all driven by the changes in the buyer. I think, I think if you looked at all this, I think that's driving all this is, is, is how that happens. Uh, we, once again, we said partnership in so many ways, and I know it's ingrained now in what you do, and you're a CPO. But let me give you my history. So I'm a digital adopter, not a digital native. I love digital technology. I think I'm pretty much on the forefront of it, but I didn't grow up on it, right? You know, my first sales job, we didn't have cell phones. So when I had a cell phone, it was, it was a kind of a big brick. Um, I've been talking ecosystems for over 10 years, but originally 10 years ago, a partner was someone you sold through and it was an ISV or is it MSP? It was a reseller. It was pretty straightforward. An ecosystem at that time was, okay, um, you have a PRM and you have a TCMA and you had MDF. And then alliances were uh, VMware and Google going to market, selling through those partners. And I was an ecosystem involved in the ecosystem that gave them platforms to do that. It was really, to me, it was pretty clear, but we were talking ecosystem. Obviously, it has changed so much, and I think the term partnership has changed so much. So maybe we can start with some definitions too. So what is a partnership today, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the if, going back to your comment about sort of the, the buyers were changing, I think the the ability for partners to impact that customer journey from the very, very beginning, whether it's an affiliate partner or someone who's referring business to then someone who's you know involved in that co-selling motion or co-marketing motion, the, I think the advent of SaaS really shook things up. And <clears throat> I, I started my career actually in physical sort of like, I, I sold wireless lighting controls in a clean tech company. And it was like, you know, lighting contractors and distributors. It was definitely not the SaaS world that, I, that I'm in currently. Um, and when I shifted over and I joined a company called Optimizely, it was pretty apparent that like the role of what partners could do is, is actually a lot broader than what I made, was doing previously, where it was just like, you know, that point of sale was, was, the, was the majority of the interaction with these partners. And so I think that because of SaaS now, uh, you know, especially, you know, in this in economic environment where we need partners not only helping find deals and close deals with us, but even the post-sales support, there's a ton of conversations right now going on inside partnership leaders about like, how do I bring partners in to do onboarding services or other sort of ancillary services post-sale to give my CS team more scale or 
to create an opportunity for them from a business perspective so that they the partners can sustain themselves and then you know hopefully bring you some additional business on the backside of that. So there's a lot of interesting like evolution of how do you engage with these partners throughout the entire customer life cycle. You know, I think that's interesting, right? And so that's that's partners selling through partners versus selling with partners. To me, that was always, that was an alliance. Like VMware and Google working together was alliance and the, and the partners, obviously that's grown as an ecosystem there. But has partnerships now moved over top of all of that where partnership has alliances and through partner underneath it that that's where i hear people using different terminology sorry i'm just just trying to get yeah, this, this is right? I, I think i think it's wet cement on this is you know we have we see a I lot like, i'm okay with that when i'm totally fine with that <laughs> yeah i mean i mean i think 2022 we saw a lot of, about ecosystems being you know um, highlighted by both partner technology and channel technology companies as well as companies trying to figure out like what's our ecosystem strategy what the heck does that actually mean yeah. um i think and this is like my personal opinion is that as we got into 2023 or even late 2022 and it was like there was an, an incredible focus especially in the technology industry of like we've got to generate revenue now uh like there's a lot of companies that no longer have the sort of um you know money train coming from the vcs and they got they got to get profitable quickly and so at, uh, at the end, end of the day, a lot of the partnership professionals, whether they're at BD or alliances, et cetera, like, I think there's a lot of aspiration to do, you know, a lot more and, and think about, you know, all the different ways we can orchestrate all these partners, but there seems to be a renewed focus now on like, okay, partnerships in the sense of they're either going to drive new like source revenue for me, or they're going to influence it. And I better be able to track that from an attribution perspective, because I, I, you know, we see a lot of turnover right now in the industry. And I think in a lot of cases, it's because they don't they either haven't gotten the executive team on board with the impact of, of what a partnership teams could do, or they don't have evidence of all the good work they're doing, which again is like, as we moved further away from the, you know, the point of sale being the main place these partners interact, you now have partners touching a lot more of that customer journey. How do you track that is a really challenging part of their job. It, no, it is. And I come from an MDF and incentive background as well as a marketing background. And it's been fascinating to watch that tech stack. And maybe that's a place that we can we can talk about that because trying to track that or trying to reward influencers or any of those partners that are in that ecosystem is really, really challenging. And they're hugely influential, but very hard to figure out exactly uh, where and how to how to motivate them. Yeah, this is uh, specifically a, a pretty big pain point for technology partner teams inside SaaS companies uh, because you really do live in this world of influenced revenue. Like your technology partner submitting a deal through a PRM, the the incentives for that technology partner AE or CSM to do that yeah. is just quite different than a solutions partner or a service or a reseller partner doing that. And so we're seeing a lot of interesting sort of new models of like, how do you register deals? Like, you know, using Slack connect workflows and, and creating really sort of, um, super low friction ways for people to do things because you do actually have less of their attention. Um, and so th this is also just an area of investment that we see from a, a seed level companies and things like that. There's a lot of people questioning the, like, how, how do you help partner teams do what they need to do? 
does that all live inside one solution, like some of the traditional PRMs in the market? Um, or do we try to lean on existing MarTech uh, technologies or things that you know the the learning and development team might use and bring that into an environment so that the the partner team can use that with the partners? There's a lot of like jury rating right now of of like a lot of this this tech stack, which I think will change. You know, by the time we get to the end of this year, guaranteed some of that stuff's going to start to become more well known, and we'll start to get some best practices in place. Um, but it's it's a it's a very interesting time from a partner operations perspective at the moment. Yeah, I know. I know. There's a friend of yours, James Hodgkinson, uh, over at 360 Insights, is all about ecosystems. I know he's doing a lot of work, and there's a lot of people out there trying to figure out how does that tech stack really work, and and how do we do that? And it's once again, it's gotten so complex. I think so. So James is awesome. I think one of the things that's really interesting is he he's in this chief chief ecosystem officer role, um, and so. He's been actually very transparent about the journey of taking, you know, 360 Insights, uh, which is, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of employees. It's a good sized company. Right. Uh, what is the role of, of his team and how does that intersect with the, like the partnerships team? Like they actually do have like an ecosystems team right. in the business that has KPIs that are shared with some of the other departments. And they're sort of like servicing these other teams, marketing, sales, et cetera. Um, to train them on how to leverage partners and to use the ecosystem around them. Which is like super fascinating. I think like a lot of people, we hear questions a lot in partnership leaders like, where do I start on actually doing any of this? Uh, and how long should it take me to take the company on this journey? Um, and so like for context, like James is like, this is like a, at least a three-year journey that he's on. And right. the first year was heavily around like executive alignment, getting the KPIs figured out, you know, and, and, the, and the tech stack is definitely a work in progress for his organization. But I think like we need more people like him out there talking about how they're tackling this uh, so that we can collectively understand how we can apply that to our own businesses. Yeah, look, and I think it gets down to the data on that, right? And I'm, I'm probably channeling him a little bit. It, it, you know, all the KPIs, the executive alignment, but you know, where is all that data and how do you get that data into a single place so that you can make decision grade, uh, have decision grade data so you, can, so you can make some decisions? That's not the easiest thing in the world with all the different types of data that are floating around there and the individual silos that are sitting there. That that that's not the easiest thing in the world. No, definitely not. And that's uh, this is why I'm, I'm pretty bullish. We're going to see a lot of investment as as more companies realize that they have to think about partnerships in a different way, where it's impacting product strategy, it's it's co-marketing, it's co-selling, it's you know through partner marketing, et cetera. There's just there's a lot of surface area there. I think. I've had the good fortune to talk to a good number of CEOs in the last, you know, say six months. And I think the nice thing is that a lot of them are trying to figure out like, what do they actually do with their partnership organization in a way that's like, it's not just some team that's off in the corner with some finished product that needs to be distributed. It's like, you're bringing it much, much closer to the sort of like product innovation that we've seen the word like kind of co-innovation uh, concept out there where it's like, it is to some extent driving where your company's going from a development perspective. Um, and that's powerful. I mean, that, and that's like having the CEO aware of this and thinking about this and, and having Andreessen and some of these VCs talking about how they're making investment decisions based on companies that have strong partner programs. This is the kind of stuff that, that really starts to make the wheel turn on, on and more resources coming to the partner team because we're generally not exactly well budgeted uh, compared to some of the other departments in the business. 
Yeah, as you say, all of that's good news for the channel. Dare say, I use the word channel, right? But it, it's still, well, because there are all sorts of channels, right? Everything is a channel, direct is a channel, indirect is a channel, right? I think historically that had just been a fallback for those um, in the old school partnerships and just call it the channel. Um, but I think that's really good to, to bring all that investment in the new way of thinking, new way of positioning it for, for value. I think, I think it's a great thing. I, I think a lot about like the definitions and kind of how do we describe things? Cause I want to be thoughtful about how we do this. And I think the component of like, why is what we're doing today different? I, I the, the co-innovation piece, I think is, is a really important component of this because it really does change directionally where your company invests in. I mean, we saw this even at, at Crossbeam where it was like, do we take on more of the partner technology stack, take capabilities to service the partner industry? Or do yeah. we partner with other companies and just say like, we know that the account mapping piece and some of the things we're doing on attribution is going to be like, th there's a long tail of things we need to build there. Um, but we, ha you know, I was fortunate that we, I had a CEO that was willing to have those conversations and be like, all right, we're carving off our piece here. We're going to get really good at this. And then for these other things, we need to go find partners and have the APIs in place, have the right APIs. Have the right developer experience. No, hold on. I've never. I, how do you run an alliance or a partnership without APIs? I'm not sure how that actually happens. There's a lot. I mean, this happens very, very often, especially as we look internationally. Like I had a conversation this morning with one of our members in Europe, and he was just talking about uh, the sort of APIs available for your partners to build on. A lot of times, it's it's like it, they make sense to your own developers. But abstracting them to the use cases that your partners need to build onto, like you need somebody that's thinking about it slightly differently than maybe a, per, a product manager that's only internal facing. And so this is like, we see this a lot for the technology partner leaders is a lot of times they, you know, they'll land there and they want to do a lot more from an integrations perspective, but there's like some, some house cleaning to get their APIs in a condition where the partners can actually build out the use cases they want. Right. Um, and that's like, it's a... You know, this is where iPass and some of these other technologies can help us get more velocity. Um, but I imagine there's going to, and we already see this actually, is there's going to be a lot more focus on like product managers that are straddling your own product development strategy with what else is around you that you need to connect to. I think that's going to be a big focus area in the years to come. Yeah, I'm kind of, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. It, I'm seeing more of the the product manager being more of a persona that's more deeply involved in this than maybe was before. And I, and I think that's, I think that's, I think it's fascinating. It's, it's really important. We actually see chief product officers joining partnership leaders um, because they either, either come from a partnerships background or they know it's so vitally important for them to be competitive in the marketplace to have, because at the end of the day, the customers are like, well, if you don't integrate with, with other things that we need, mm, like, and integrate, and we're not just talking like, uh, oh my gosh, I go back to you know sharing FTP files and um, and you know an SSO being considered an integration, right? So that's uh, uh, sorry, but uh, yeah, it, it, I think it's shifted very very quickly. Yeah, the the really I think the the really innovative companies in my mind are um, embedding sort of these these other technologies into their own workflows for users, right. and that's. This is this interesting evolution of like, what is a partner per person supposed to do? Like, 
historically you might, might be taking your own product and, and, and training these partners on how to go get that to market. Now, to some extent, some of the most successful partner leaders I see are ones that do have a little bit of a product mindset where you're, you're, you're creating the art of the possible of like, well, if I go work with that other company plus one equals four, how do I orchestrate the product managers on both sides and subsequently the, de the developers to get this thing to market? So there's like a, a, this is one of those like new skill sets that we see emerging is like, how do you co-innovate with someone else and do that on a timeline that you can then hook into the marketing engine? This is, this is just like a new skill set. We got to We got to build as an industry. Yeah. But that, that, that's a, that's a decision to do that, right? You have to make uh, a solid, a conscientious decision to go down that path because we can talk about it all day long and talk about how important it is. But when it comes down to it and resources, that's actually a fair amount of work. It is. Because, it is. Yeah. <laughs> people have been using API terms forever, just throwing it out there uh, at rest API, but to actually have a public at rest API that, that people can share um, takes time. It does. And it's, um, being choosy about which of those integrations you build and having the commitment from the other partner to do, to, to go to market. Cause that's the, we saw this a lot and every SaaS company I've been at where it's like, you'll have, you might be the bigger fish in the pond and somebody else wants to build to you, but they have no idea of like the downstream go to market motions from co-marketing, co-selling perspective. They're kind of like, here you go. Let's see the magic happen. And you're like, well, that's not quite how this works. Uh, and, you know, and so like there's, there's best practices on, on like the go to market side of it. It can take a year to actually get that in market, get the case studies, get the engine turning, get the AEs familiar with each other. Um, another area where we see a lot of discussions is like the change management side of, well, if you have all these people that are kind of like collaborating to some extent, um, on a, you know, especially two tech companies together, how do you incentivize the AEs the right way? How do you, how do you get them enabled and actually, you know, caring because they have a day job selling your own product. Uh, so there's a lot of, this is, uh, you know, I, I think about the role of consultancies, especially here where we need help. We need, we need people that have done this before that have playbooks that can, they can apply to help these companies go faster because over and over again, CEOs are hiring partner teams and they're overestimating how quickly the impact can be created from hiring one person. It's like your little mini startup within a startup go make it rain, you know? <laughs> and you're like, yes, but needs, I need more than just me. <laughs> right. Well, I, I think that's interesting because it's going to, um, it's going to, once again, as you said, it's going to force people to figure out where they make their, um, where they make their investments and, and what they're going to actually spend on it. Right. But then you've got to be able to ROI all this sort of stuff. So someone's got to go make it rain. You've got to do all that stuff. They got to build it all together, which I think goes back to the consultants and having people that can come and, and, and lead that, right? You need some consultants. And I think there are plenty out there that can come in and can scale and do that. I think it's a great opportunity for them. Huge opportunity. And, and I think there's like, there's, there's the channel side of it of like, how do you, how do you get that? machine turning and then there's a smaller subset of consultants that we've seen out there that know the technology partner side the integration strategy and that kind of thing so there's even within the consulting sort of world we're seeing some of them combined forces we're seeing new consultants pop up to really service this need um because it is it is different this is this is not what we did even five years ago to some extent Okay, okay. I'm just laughing a little bit because I'm seeing partnerships in the consultants that I haven't seen before. I literally had a conversation this week with two different consultants who are 
alliance partners of mine and, and they're literally talking about the three of us working together and they're figuring out what that, those roles are, which is fascinating because years ago, I would just never would have seen that, right? And they're all going, what are my strengths? How do I scale? What can you bring in? And I think it's fascinating to see um, the willingness of those to come in and do that. I, Chris, I think they see an opportunity and they're all trying to figure out what do I do well? How do I pull it together? It's no different than you know partners coming together to make that offering today. I, I think they've got to figure that side out as well too, but I think they're going to be a big part of it. Yeah, that's that's super cool. And that, that's the kind of thing that like, if you have an open mind and you're willing to, to stand firm on the things you're really good at, whether you're a tech company or a service company, and then you you, you figure out the, the surface area of things you want to be good at, but maybe you don't want to have that in-house, like being really thoughtful about that strategy puts you in such a better position because there are literally tens of thousands of partner teams around the world that are over time touching on things that they're probably not good at, whether it's launching a marketplace or building integration roadmaps, like you can't do, you can't be good at everything. And so like partnering with other companies, uh, I think even for the solutions partners or the consultancies, the, the smart ones are starting to figure this out. Okay. All right. Well, let's kind of bring it back around to partnership leaders. Uh, I, I think we pretty much made the case that like, partnerships at every level, there's no question that that's where it's headed. Well, but how do people get plugged into partnership leaders and what sort of value is it to them? I, I know you have a lot of offerings. You've got memberships. There's a lot of pieces. Maybe you can lay a little bit of that out. I know it's not a sales pitch because I think even though you're now employed, it's somewhat altruistic, right? I think you have a passion for partnerships. So so how does that really work for folks? Yeah, I think like it's it's good to give context of like the broader thing happening in community to some extent is like you, you in the last few years, the these real-time communication platforms, both Microsoft Teams and Slack, created an, an opportunity for people to engage in private communities, whether they're free or paid. Um, because you look at LinkedIn, everybody's on there, but finding your peers that can help you work through things, whether you're in product or marketing or partnerships, is somewhat challenging. And so it's almost like an unbundling of, of LinkedIn and getting people that are on the same journey together connected uh, and working on on sharing information with each other. So we see the core of partnership leaders and there's other communities out there servicing other personas. The, the core is like having a really healthy sort of environment, digital environment for people to share information and not sell to each other and that kind of thing. Um, and we, we literally train our members how to ask questions to, to get into better conversations with peers because there's 1200 of them in here in, in partnership leaders now. So we have, think of like the SAS 1000, we've got many of the partner teams from those companies. Um, <clears throat> and so a lot of it's like helping people who may not be like digital natives, uh, understand like, how do you leverage something like this? Like it there, we've seen this over and over again, where if you're passive and you just consume information that's flowing through Slack, that's cool. That's great. We have blogs, we have podcasts, we have all kinds of stuff where there's there's ways to absorb information from partnership leaders. And a lot of it's just members sharing their own experiences. But there's something magical that happens when they actually learn how to ask the right questions and open up conversations with peers because you can go so much faster. Somebody's done the thing you're trying to work on and they've done it three times and they have a playbook and they're willing to share it with you because you probably know something that that person needs to know. Uh, and that's some of like the the magic that happened in, in partnership leaders and some of these other communities is like these folks all found each other. It became a home for them to actually get really good at their at their craft. 
Yeah, it's interesting, right? Even in Catalyst, I, I was helping someone with MDF, and I'm not really involved in MDF. That was my, my past life. It was the same thing. There was a group of people, and there was someone, you know, she was Googling MDF, and it comes up a wood product, right? I was like, okay, you need to market uh, market development funds, right? We, we figured that out. But it was pretty cool. And this is one of the things I really liked about Catalyst, and we can, we can finish up on that, is I felt that people were willing to share. In general, I've got to say the technology space and the organizations, I've, I've never been involved in an industry that was more willing and open to share ideas. Uh, even in competitive environments, people that are in security talk to each other. How do I do things better? But I thought that was fascinating at Catalyst. And, and I think that's a great way to go is to create that open forum and have people ask questions and solve problems for each other. Because you're right, someone, you're going to run into someone who's done it before. Exactly. And and there's like a there's a learned behavior to some extent of of how transparent you should be or shouldn't be. And we invited in the very, very early days, but like I, I I I invited my direct competitor for my company I worked for at the time because I I'd known him in the space. And I was like, hey, we're publicly gonna help each other. We're not gonna share confidential information, but like we want to send a signal that like when you're in partnerships, most of the folks in this space are odd. Their whole career is going to be here. And it's like technology is what it is. We're changing companies decently often. Um, so I think like your, your personal brand, I think folks are taking a lot more ownership over like, how am I perceived by my peers in, in the industry? And you see this on LinkedIn with, you know, postings and podcasts and all kinds of things like that. But there's, uh, especially right now, as we're in an environment where a lot of people are getting laid off, the folks that are investing in their in their own sort of like professional brand or is the pace at which they get rehired is just like insanely different from the folks that are just sort of passively, maybe more internally focused on their own company versus like being involved in their industry. And this can hold true for any profession to some extent. Um, and so when I think about like, when you're asking questions, like how do you get involved partnership leaders, like you can join as a member, you can sign up on the website, partnershipleaders.com. The, the number one thing that members should be doing once they get in there is actually engaging with others, answering questions, carving, you know, carve 20 minutes out of your week and go and put yourself out there. Cause that's how you get in those conversations with other people that can like change your career to some extent. Um, and so, and that's, I think that's like the, it, it that realization is is accelerating. And so that's just leading to more and more vibrant conversations in the community as people lean in more and more, which is great. Uh, and maybe once again, we can we can end it with Catalyst. Talk a little bit about the Catalyst event that's coming up in Denver, um, what it's going to be like and why people should attend. Yeah, so Catalyst last year was in Miami. Uh, it was amazing as, as, as we've already talked about. We wanted to, of course, do it again. Uh, so it's going to be August 21st to the 23rd in Denver, Colorado. Um, one of the things we learned last year was that people love spending time with each other and they may not want to spend the whole day in conference sessions back to back. So this year we're building an experience hall where we're going to have like lots of interesting ways for people to network with each other and activities to do together. And in that experience hall, we will have stages with wireless headphones where you can you can look, go and listen to lightning talks but you're not going to have that awkward feeling of being like kind of like locked in a conference room all day long so as you remember last year the foyer was like the hottest spot because we had all all the exhibitors in this one okay all the exhibitors you had great music and you had high-end cocktails and you pulled it all together really really well wall of donuts yeah, all of donuts. donuts everything was done very well 
people are very used to going to, you know, at least in, if you're in the partnership space, like there's a lot of conferences that are in maybe not great locations or, you know, the hotels that are a little run down. It's like, we wanted to do something that was like surprising to some extent for our space where it was just like, let's get people delighted and, and, and feeling just energized so that they actually, they lift up everybody else around them. And that was the thing we created last year and we're absolutely gunning to do the same thing this year. So I think it's going to be a little bit of like, how do we get you connected to other people and networking and really feeling energized as well as like bookending that experience with like deep workshops on like, I need to go generate revenue for my company. You're going to leave with something that actually helps you get that accomplished for the second half of this year. Um, and then we'll dabble in some, uh, Colorado experiences offsite as well. So you know, gotta do something fun at the same time. Something fun. Anyway, Chris, thank you very much for joining us today. Listeners, thank you for joining in. Um, have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Appreciate it.